to A Nightmare on Fear Street. We're Trent and Sheree, and we're chatting about the fiercest genre. Expect hot takes, cold drinks, and a couple of fights. Check out the link in the episode description to connect with us via the usual socials, Patreon, and our YouTube channel. All right, everyone, we are back, and today we are starting season eight. And y'all know we had to come in with this one because we are starting season eight off with a high point with Hereditary. It's been fucking time. And it's because last year was the first year nobody asked me to talk about their podcast. And because I talk about it on like so many fucking podcasts, and I'm like, Anybody listens to any of my guest spots are going to be fucking bored. If I go in, I'll have the same notes. We need time. We need distance. And so now I've seen this bitch eight times. I'm ready to roll. I'm caffeinated, bitches. But also, <laughs> I'm happy to do the math so you know it's season eight because I was like, it's a new season. We, <laughs> we're kicking off 2024 in true fashion. Category is A24. Or A24, depending on where you fall on that line. I know people are divisive. People like to be divisive. I've been told A24, and that's what I'm believing until the company says, stop, bitch. But some people are like, no, A24. And I'm like, okay, whatever, girl. Live your life. Live your dreams. It's not as hard as that may seem. It's really not that big of a deal. Listen. They're still getting your money. That's all they care about. Right? Are you are you paying them? Are you paying for them? <laughs> um, right. They have a subscription service, and I will be opening my wallet. That should be closed forever. I'm soon to join. <laughs> <laughs> fair points fair points i'm like pull the dust off get that last dollar out it's for you <laughs> <laughs> well let's get into this sheree where you want to start okay so one of the things i noticed because this, again it's like my eighth ninth time watch this movie funny story i made it part of my birthday when i lived in chicago the year it came out and so like me labob a bunch of friends went to see this bitch in theaters because <laughs> my birthdays are fucking wild y'all but <laughs> I've always thought this felt a little bit long, but I thought it was because it was paced so weirdly because Ari Aster, wow, wine. But no, this bitch is two hours and seven minutes. It's too long. Yes. It's one of my few notes. It's yes. too long. We don't need all of it. Because like, I again, I love Tony Collette and her moments. We can leave most of those. But some other things could have been trimmed because we linger a lot. We linger a whole lot. And I know that well, he likes to be the fly on the wall in his movies and things, but stop. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of unnecessary, like, I think he's trying to set a tone or something with the shot, and it's just not needed. I will say, I think the second half of this movie is almost perfectly paced. I think it's the first half that has all the issues. I think I think both halves could be trimmed in so many places, because now that I've seen it so many times, I'm just like, okay, we're here too long. Okay, we're there too long. Also, we spend too much time with things that don't really need to be. Like, most of his moment at school, I get it. He beat himself on that desk for real because he was in the moment. No actor should be doing that, first off. Um, Secondly... <laughs> that was real? He really hit his face in the desk multiple times because he wanted to... Young actors, young Hollywood. I'm worried for all y'all. Yeah. That's the rumor. And he's never been like, no, I would never do that. I'm a sane person. So I just... <laughs> We have to take what we've been given. I think some of that wasn't necessary. I think a lot of what Peter did, we didn't need to linger on so long. Because even like, it would have been more effective had we cut some of the him listening to his mom get in the car and her screaming for so long. It's a moment, yeah. But if it goes on too long, you sort of lose it on rewatches. The first time yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. But every time you rewatch it, you're like, man, we got other places to be. What? <laughs> yeah, this one does definitely lose 
a little bit of luster every time you read this is only like my second or third time watching this movie because it is a fucking lot it is it is a lot to process a lot to take in it's a lot and it's feeling a little long for me too listen again i'm not mad at this movie i just wish that it could have snipped a little bit but also that's ari aster's style i've seen i've seen this and i've seen midsummer and I have also seen all of his shorts for an article I did. And so like he, I don't know if him and his editors or if he's his editor, but like, we gotta, we gotta finesse some things. Yeah, it is his style. And I do think like, you know, I, I haven't seen, I have seen Midsommar and I've seen this. I haven't seen any of his shorts, but. Like part of the reason I've not seen Bo is Afraid other than me and Joaquin Phoenix will never speak again is because it's too damn long. It's too damn long. And Midsommar was too long as well, which is part of the reason I was like instant no. Because I went to see that because I liked Hereditary so much. I was like, I want to see what he does next. And it was not my movie. And it also went on too long. And so I'm like, on top of it not being my movie, it went on too long. And so while he's not in my like director timeout, I just don't know if I'll see his stuff again if it's going to keep being three hours, which is fine. He's thriving. He doesn't need my $5. But I do wonder what he would do with something that is like two hours hard. I would let him have two hours. Even though I prefer a 90 minute movie, I would let him have two hours. If he could not linger so much. Like the Cranberries, do you have to let it linger? Think of that when you're going in to work. I I actually like Midsommar, but I do agree that it's it meanders. That's a good word for his movie. When I point out the runtime to people, they are like, what? But I, yeah, I think there's enough in Midsommar and, th- and there's enough in Hereditary too that I think, you know, but if, but if I'm going to give it a criticism, which I think is fair, we should criticize even the things that we do like, the fair criticism is it's too long. For those of you who don't know, Midsommar is two hours, 28 minutes, which again, not knowing that going in because I don't like know anything, I was like, is it still the same day? And so on top of me not having a good time, I was like, I've wasted three hours of my life once you put previews and everything on there. I'm going to not have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, agreed. But okay, so we have to hit on the lovely, the American treasure, the incomparable Miss Toni Collette. She's a national treasure. She needs to have a statue erected in Times Square. I don't know where, but... (laughs) It's her movie. Everybody's just living in it. Like, I've always believed that. Like, she's the reason the first time, the first few times I've watched it, I didn't notice how long it was. Because, again, it feels long. But because she's serving so much, you, you, you're you like, I don't, something's wrong, but I can't remember because she's giving. And this time, I'm just like, I've seen you do this Oscar-winning performance that got you robbed because they don't believe in horror. Um, but in an alternate universe where horror gets her fair shot, she won an Oscar. And she is doing everything she can, which is why you you miss the problems in the movie. Because you're watching her, and she's like, I'm Tony Collette, let's ride, bitches. And you're like, yes, mommy. Yes. And I will say, too, I don't think there's a bad performance in this movie. I think all of the actors are great. They're yeah. serving what they're doing, right? Like her supporting she's actor just... is Anne Dowd. Like, again, Gabriel Byrne is her husband who's gaslighting her. Like, even the kids are giving. But it's just that nobody's on Tony's level in anything she's doing. Like, let's just be yeah. honest. Whatever the project right. is, she's doing something else. Everybody else is trying to keep up. Yes. And her like her grief journey is so beautifully played. She has so many very subtle moments. And then, of course, she has like the big moments that we all think about and remember. But those like subtle, like I always say what separates a good actor from a phenomenal actor are the subtle 
moments that happen that you can't just like make happen like that you just have to have an empathy or a way to connect with other people that you see what's behind their eyes and you're able to replicate that and tony collette has that her like i said the grief journey is so real and very prevalent in at least the two ari aster films i've seen uh, he's got issues with moms i want eyes on his mother because his shorts are all mom-centered Mm. you know when Bo is afraid it's three hours it's gonna be some mom shit and so like again I I hope that we all get therapy in the next year I know America doesn't like to give us that <laughs> but also he's rich enough I think he could afford a, a different therapist than the one he has is not working out because he's working yeah. towards something I my literal next note was her journey with her mother even post even after because her mother's dead for the all the movie yeah so her journey with her mother even after her mother's death is just it's very as someone as i know you do too as someone who has a lot of uh mama trauma mm -hmm. yeah. there it is that's what i was Bullshit. gonna bring up because her grief journey is twofold like life hit her in both her tits because she lost her mom up top and she already got problems with that bitch and so that's complicated because like even when you hate your parent you there's a weird residual how should I feel am I correct in feeling this way because like I didn't like my dad but like when he died I was like I'm happy but also I can't be happy because that's inappropriate to be happy <laughs> um, and so you're trying to like put on what people need you to put on while you figure out what the fuck you feel and how you feel there and if you justified in it and so that's a whole fucking journey and then like her son comes back with parts of her daughter in the backseat of a car and then he lays in his bed and lets her find in the morning like a sick gift and so like she is she is double dutching grief while also trying to like own the fact that her son has beef with her because he woke up with her trying to like set him on fire, even though it wasn't 100% her fault, but still. And so like the pipeline of moms who shouldn't have probably had kids um, continues until we ended at the end of this movie. <laughs> I literally, yeah, I have the note, the, the I never wanted to be your mother moment. The merch. Oh, I would she say, and then she like, she says it and then like, <gasps> realizes that she fucking said it is like yeah. oh rip my soul out of my whole body because like uh how real how honest but also how fucked up to tell your child that you chose to have you chose to have this child mm -hmm. and i get i get it's a dream sequence we yeah. but like you're telling your child i never wanted to be your mother that is fucked up but also i love that moment so much because her subconscious is her subconscious is going at what has happened to her because what's happened is her mother was like, you should have children. You should have children. You should have children. As all moms do to their AFAB children. <laughs> you should have children. You should have children. You're going to have to one day you're going like, to take care of these fucking as, children. As an outsider view, as an outsider view, seeing that interactions. Yes. <laughs> I've gotten into fights with so many Lyft and Uber drivers who were like, do you have kids? And I laugh They're like, what's wrong? That's the one's purpose. And I'm like, you don't want to tip obviously also fuck you. And we ride <laughs> fighting until I get back to my apartment, which is very dangerous. But like, it's, I've had to do it because society is so involved in ovaries for AFABs. I don't know if that's like a secret church somewhere, but like, they are just like, why aren't you? Well, that's your purpose. What, what are you, what is your life of? If you didn't have children, what's the mean of it? Bitch drinking and getting paid. That's what I'm doing. What are you doing? Is, why are you miserable? It is the meeting of this church in the treehouse. So listen, listen, that dark side of church. But like, I think that that was her subconscious being like, I didn't want children, but my mom made me feel like I had to have children to make her happy, which that's a whole messy tangle. I'm trying to untangle some of this because her mother wanted a boy to put this demon in. Because she had a boy mm -hmm. who ended up dying because she, she had a brother, right? Yes. And, and he was like, you want to put a what in me? Fuck this. 
ejectocito. And so he left and she was like, you're not a boy. You need to have a fucking child. Have a child. And so she had two children. And I think part of the reason, I know, I know part of the reason she kept her son Peter away from her is because she was like, she did something to my brother. I don't understand everything that happened and I don't want to give any of this any credibility, but like, right. I see my son away. And that's why she she's like, I gave her Charlie. Let, she didn't let her mom back into the picture until she had her daughter. Yeah. She was like, I gave her Charlie. Because again, even though she didn't want these children, she was like, I can't let my son go down that road. I know I cannot have my son and my mother in the same roof. Something something is not right. Which could be an allegory for so many things. Because so many people have people in their families and they're like, I don't remember my children, but I don't want to say that out loud. And they probably shouldn't be around their children. If you feel that way, you should honor that. Because whether or not you experienced it, that person should not be around children. The mom was in a demon shit instead of some other things that we were <laughs> probably not thinking of. Um, but she's like, well, even so even going on that note, that moment a little bit, even not thinking about like the worst part of that connotation of not wanting to be around children. But like, let's say that you're you have a queer child and you have a family member that is not queer affirming, who is a dangerous person to be around queer folks. Not even like other ways, but just like emotional abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to list how many parents of children who are non-binary and like they have their schools on board, they have their friends on board, but when they go for the holidays, like, you know, your grandmother's different. Yep. If you're not going to stick up for your children, don't fucking have them. Don't fucking yep. have them. Because this part-time yep. ally shit is not cute. But like, while we're talking about the queerness, one of my notes is I've always wanted to hear more specifically transgender and non-binary people take this movie apart. Because that whole ending with now you're in the correct body, we found you the perfect male host. It always sticks out to me. And I do think that with all things Ari Aster is doing with a lot of the stuff I've seen from him, I think some of it is definitely gender influenced, but I don't know what he's picking at specifically because I am not a real therapist. I just play one on this podcast. And my, and my question about that is whose body was, was he in her body? Was he in Tony Collette's body? That demon was playing hopscotch with this whole family. Because Charlie seemed to know that something was going on, even though she was not the correct host because her body was not corrected. And right. so I don't know if Payman was like, I'll hop into Charlie because like the grandma can put me in there and we'll move over to Peter later. Like an upgrade, moving on up to the east side, you know? And so I just... The way I read it, and I could be completely off because this the end of this movie really confused me, which is my hot take, but I'll Listen. get there in a minute. I, at least, the, what has helped it make sense in my brain is that the grandmother, when she had the son, was planning on putting the demon or giving the demon the body of her son. Well, her son killed himself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Trigger warning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lots of trigger warning. So the son killed himself. So then I took that to mean she had to give the demon the body of her daughter to keep the demon satiated while she tried to pressure the daughter to give birth to a son. And that's why Tony Collette's character was sleepwalking. That's why she, I don't know. That's I, that's I, an interesting read. Cause I just figured she had all this trauma because again, like when you grew up in a house where trauma is a thing, you just, you have sleep issues. You, you have some sleepwalking sometimes you have problems with addiction and things. And so I think that, Again, subconsciously, she knows something's not right. And also, if her mom's doing cult shit, she probably has different layers of cult shit. So while she's not a boy, she was probably get some of that demon juice or whatever in the bottles. And so, yeah. like, she's not completely detached from it because she's never owned it. Because, again, she's like, 
oh, Lady Ramblings, that's not real if she ever knew about those parts. But again, she knew enough to be like, my kids can't go there. It's almost like she escaped a cult. And then she went back in after she had her daughter thinking it was safe and it was not safe. Also, because I've seen this movie now eight times, I'm noticing the flickers of light more than I used to. And I want to go back now that I'm actually tracking them because they happen so much up top and with her and with Charlie and with Peter. And so I do think it's a family affair to borrow from Mary J. Blige. Yeah, I could see that. I did not clock the light because it's only my third time watching. But your probably your read is probably more correct than mine. I think what was tripping me up was the your body. We corrected your body. And so that that would assume that the demon already had a body. So what I thought it was Charlie's. Okay. That's what I thought because also let's just talk about how we all thought Charlie was going to be the lead and then Charlie was beheaded. Remember that? Wasn't that cinema? The meme that continues to meme and I <laughs> cackle every fucking time. But I will say the first time I watched this movie, I was like, oh! Same. Because I was I like. I was gooped. Oh. I, it took me forever to recover. By the time I was recovering, Tony Collette found the body. <laughs> but like, I just, first off, Millie Shapiro, who plays Charlie, because we had strikes last year, so people couldn't dress up as characters that are known. This little bitch dressed up as Marie Antoinette. <laughs> and I was like, that's a badass move. Remind the people who you are uh, without saying who you are. That's the game to play. <laughs> truly, truly. I will say, oh, go ahead. I was say, but also her death always sends me. Because what kind of teens are getting high and drinking and making like decadent baked goods? Who's chopping walnuts at any fucking party? Did I miss that because I was homeschooled? What, what is that era? Like... <laughs> Also, you had more, you, well, I had siblings too, but I, I don't know. I don't think either of us were party hopping in high school, but. I was homeschooled. <laughs> I was in Greenbrier, Arkansas. So no parties for either of us. <laughs> there was a hayride maybe, but that was about it. <laughs> but what parent is like forcing their high school age kid, I'm assuming that he is. 16 17 like almost an adult and i think she is like she says she's 13 12 yeah yeah who is forcing their nearly adult age child to bring their barely a teenager child to a fucking house party and then you already comment on this did he really just fucking blow his sister's head off and then go home and go to bed (laughs) Listen, and again, I know trauma is real and trauma responses are real, but if your first reaction is to be like, oh no, she lost her head, let me drive all the way home, get out of the car, and go lay down and see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> does he not have a does he not have a cell phone? Listen, it's a little bit of sociopath behavior. Because first off, nobody called 911. That would be my first thing, but let me call 911. We're not gonna ride around because also where the fuck was this other house? Because the road to and from that house. Are they on the same plane as the rest of us? Is it a different universe? Like, is it time travel? Is it the TARDIS? He traveled across state lines to go to this party. Listen! Listen! And also, that mom was shitty for being like, if I put this little girl in the car, he won't drink. Kids are gonna fucking drink. You could have lost both your kids in a DUI. Right. But I will say, I do think the decapitation is when this movie really starts. Like, this yes. is when this movie starts ramping up. Hard. Yes. Because it was creepy. We were getting cool vibes. But when she gets beheaded, you're like, oh, fuck. And everything after that is like, oh, fuck. And that's when we hit the gas to the pedal. That, when we put the foot to the pedal, I don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I, while we're near the party, I just want to say that R word came out of nowhere. Because, like, again, I feel like the kids were already getting a little bit better about certain words by then. And so I'm like, where does this come from, Mr. Astor? Come on now. Don't do that. I mean, I say that. I still hear kids say it today. I still hear fucking adults say it. But I mean, adults, yeah. Whatever. But usually kids but are better. <laughs> literally, I think I've said this on the pod before, but I'll say it again. Or I have a young cousin who is like, well, probably about the age of the girl, 12, 13. And we're sitting, my aunt, keep in mind, is a special education coordinator for an entire school district. He says the R word, and I call him out on it. And he says, well, my mom lets me say it. And, I, and then my aunt turned around and said, uh, no, sir, I do not. <laughs> so they be saying it. I don't know where he heard this word. It, it, he's like 12, 13. The word is like fucking sprouts like weeds. <sighs> I I cannot. I need to stay in the cities because, like, the kids out here are doing other shady shit. But, like, they're like, we can let language go. But we're going to do some other fucked up shit. And I'm just like, you know, that's still problematic, right? And they're like, no, nah, it's a highly evolved problematic. We're, we're doing aces. And I'm just like, fuck you. Also, I don't like kids. But, like. <laughs> well, truly, truly. I, yeah. While we're talking about things that pulled me out, the flies are starting to look real fucking cheap and cartoony. Because, like, I never noticed it the first few times. But now I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I will say, too, something that was effective to me, and it, it did meander a little bit too long, so I think I think Ari needed someone to help him edit them down, but the use of the dollhouses. Yes, bitch, yes! Creepy as fuck. Creepy as fuck. I really, really like it because we also, if nobody else noticed, this is one of the few movies where you see a lot of the ceilings, which we don't usually get because we're on sets, um, budgets, what have you. Well, yeah. until Skin and Marie. That's diff. <laughs> that bitch was all ceiling, no filter. But everybody else, <laughs> everybody else has no ceilings. Um, so that's always fascinating. And so it feels like we're in a dollhouse. And even the way that the shots are so distant, it, it feels like we're watching a dollhouse. It does. It does. And so I love that, like, we brought that forward. And she definitely has little miniature houses of their house, which I think is also her trying to, like, dig in her trauma and not understand she's digging in her trauma. <laughs> because her art is basically, like, this is the house I live in, in different places, different people, <laughs> different rooms. And I'm just like, girl, get a therapist. <laughs> so do you, okay, do you think she slept walk and dug up her mom's grave and brought it back to the house? I don't think so. I think that was Joan and the girls doing Booster Club thought shit. I think they put that body up there. And while we're talking about that, the fact that Steve got a phone call, being like, they dig up the body, and he was like, I can't tell her. She's fragile. Fuck him. Fuck him. Her husband, ultimate gaslighter. Like, the Chicks album, I'm sorry, the Chicks album was about him. Like, (laughs) he's the gaslighter. I... The only thing that makes me think she did it, subconsciously, like, I don't think she knew she did it, was the doll at one point they show a decapitated doll laying in the bed now that could have been a comment on her daughter being decapitated and that's her her bed but her but they also decapitated her mom's body so there's something about these decapitations heads will roll there's something there (laughs) there's something there um they're trying to get ahead i'm in this cult (laughs) (laughs) And this nude cult that's just randomly staring and oh my god, what <laughs> I I did laugh. I did laugh in the moments to it's at the end and he's she's chased him up to the attic and he sees the dead body and then he's 
he's the naked people. And he goes, oh. <laughs> Just like jumps out so the window. Again, I love that A24 is not here to make nudity um, the usual, let's get the men excited and let's like look at this through the male gaze. They're like, if you're going to get naked on our films, you have to be at least 80. <laughs> and were they all women? I don't think they were. I think there were a couple of dudes in there, but also, yeah. again, predominantly women. Because but... we're like doing something with gender, I don't know pronouns for anybody because it's just a bunch of old naked people doing things in a weird attic. And I'm just like, you know what? Woodstock revival, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so i again i think that there's something to be said about gender and i need to like actually seek out some people who are not binary and trans to like be like what are y'all picking up because there's something to be said for you're in the corrected body and i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because i well considering it's a demon it's probably a bad thing in this instance but like in the context of the imagery you know yes and but it could also be a whole this is what christianity thinks thing but again i i'm not having tea with ari aster so i can't be like what are you thinking how are you feeling what does this mean and so i want to see what other people's takes are because like right now i am definitely a cis woman and so i am not going to be all privy to all the conversations that need to be happening about that but i thought that was a weird phrasing you're in the corrected body because that's that's some pro-Christianity bullshit being like, you're born this way. You're born in the correct body. And it's not always the fucking case, y'all, clearly. No. Yeah, but so, Christians are always yeah. wrong, so. <laughs> Hot takes. Uh, <laughs> so the other scene where I was like, I am relating to this movie more than I want to, and it's making me feel very uncomfortable. The dinner scene. Oh, oh! She erupts on him. And he isn't fucking having it. He is like, fuck you and the horse you rode in here on. Like, it was, I was like, I'm having flashbacks. That face flashbacks. on your face. <laughs> yeah. Because she's, she's like, you did this and you're not saying you're sorry and fuck this. And I, I can't do this because you're not sorry. And, and he's like, she didn't want to go there. Who made her go? Again, 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 again. I... Who is the parent? Also, who is the fucking parent? This is a 16-year-old, 17-year-old child. You're 30, 40 years old. I'm just saying. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. You're a fucking, you're the fucking parent. Listen, I wish somebody's child would talk to me that way after beheading <laughs> their sister. I wish they fucking would. Because I'd be like, and you killed her, you little bitch. Get the fuck out of my house. Again, suburban parents are different than my parents. <laughs> like, there's no way in fuck I could be like, oh, no, I actually killed one of us. Even though there was eight of us. <laughs> I couldn't like, I actually kill one of us. Whoopsie. Oh, and he never feels remorse. And again, I know trauma is a real thing. But because this movie, I think, is definitely doing some gender shit. I'm just like, is that him and his male privilege being like, I don't have to ever apologize to anybody for any fucking thing. I'll find a way to blame it on my mom. Even though you put her in the car, you drove, you didn't say anything. I mean, there was no saving her. But you could have put your head up and been like, 911, please. But instead... <laughs> You were like, I'm going to go lay down and disassociate and see what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> None of them are in the right in this. Let's be clear. None Everybody of them wrong. are in the right. Everybody's, Everybody's wrong. <laughs> and, and, but, so, but at the same time, I've never lived in a situation where I woke up with my mother pouring gasoline all over me with a fucking match. Like, that's some traumatic shit that I don't – has she ever apologized to him? Because she clearly says that wasn't me. I feel like she's apologized a lot, but also that's why you want to give him a little bit of grace. But also he's like, because you did that to me, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. I'll talk to you whatever the fuck I want. And I'm just like, 
that that is a real thing yes because i definitely i got beef from my mom but she never tried to set me on fire as far as i know but like <laughs> that's a real thing and i'm here people holding shit over their mother's head that they fucking cross fucked up but he literally killed his sister and was like that wasn't me play shaggy dance out and i'm just like no that was that was you we got the videos we caught you on camera <laughs> like <laughs> that was you like baby. i said they're all fucked up. I was just relating to the fact that standing up to someone, standing up to your mother and being like, well, maybe you're not innocent in this situation. Let's be clear. No one is fucking innocent. No one is innocent. Again, had he not killed his sister, I'd have been like, get her. Sicker, Jade. But he killed his sister. So I'm just like, you ain't got no legs to stand on, baby. Like, I I will never forget. I was, we were getting back from my brother's funeral and my mother wanted me to put on this fucking dress. I hated the fucking dress as usual because I was not wearing dresses back then. Now that I've gotten bigger, that shit's comfortable. But as a child, I was like, fuck, I'm wearing jeans. I'm wearing pants. And I remember I fucking snapped. I was like, I don't think he cares what I'm wearing. And I was like, oh, no, I got to wear that dress today. Peter has no soul. <laughs> Which is why the demon's like, I can move in comfortably. Because <laughs> Peter's like, I ain't done nothing. I'm a perfect angel, baby. I'm going to set me on fire one time, and I can do whatever the fuck I want to do now. <laughs> we stay one time. I don't Listen, I don't know. Is she also sleepwalk, she sleepwalks in there while seeing him beheaded and dead in her dreams anyway so like her dreams are different that's her property he can't comment on those <laughs> well he doesn't know about that but like i listen i don't think anybody i'm not gonna go to bat for anybody i'm just saying no. that this movie's a lot <laughs> i'm just saying that peter is definitely giving one bad thing happened to me so i get to be a menace forever i feel like had he survived he'd be one of those assholes getting duis and like doing awful things to women on the streets and being like my mom tried to set me on fire so i can do whatever the fuck i want it's giving big roman polanski vibes um, and again i don't know if ari aster meant to do that or what but it's giving something bad happened to me so i could do whatever the fuck i want fuck y'all i'm a man and that's why i'm just like get him get him get him get off the ceiling get him um, because he's on my fucking nerves and again, we all got trauma in this movie. We've all done some bad things. But he's like, when I was five, he tried to set me on fire. And for that, I will never be a real person. I will never go to therapy. I will never start the healing process. I, I, don't, I don't know. I Listen, I, I don't, for me, it's not that clear. Because like, also, he didn't want her to go. Nobody he was going to, go. to the party to hook up with this chick that says the R word, apparently. Listen. So like, the mom was the one that's like, you should take your sister. I get that nobody wanted that girl to go, including that girl. Um, but however, if you kill a person, you should feel some remorse. I know trauma is real, but at some point you got to be like, well, I, I think, killed that bitch. I did. I, I did kill he her. Felt, I think he felt remorse, even if he didn't verbalize the words, I'm sorry to his mom. You're going to give him a lot of sympathy. I, I am from Kansas City, Missouri. I've seen a lot of fucked up shit happen to a lot of people's kids. And those kids grow up to not be serial killers and sociopaths. <laughs> those kids still have conscience and souls. Trent. They're not just like, Something bad happened to me. I mean, awful. I, listen, like I said, I am not here. I think they're all fucked up. Oh, yeah. I think everyone in this movie is completely fucked up because of the bullshit, the generational trauma that has been impact, like compacting on top of everybody. So there was no anybody getting, I mean, if yeah. she had grown up to be a 15, 16 year old, she was probably going to be fucked up too. Yeah. She's probably going to be everywhere. You know, one of my notes is I also don't know if she had a learning disability or something because she seemed to be going to a different kind of school than Peter. And also the way people mm. talk about her and to her and the way that like she Ooh. the way she moves because we're like, maybe she had, that could be the, the tongue click could have been. a t Yeah, that's true. Now I feel bad for making fun of it. Because we went to a horror movie. No, it's fine. Um, but Because we went to a horror movie, we we're expecting to be a demon. But what if it, that's what it was? And that's part of why her body wasn't correct. 
supposedly. Oh, that could be a statement. Because she was a woman and because she was maybe on the spectrum. But again, we don't know these things. And I want people who are on the spectrum and who are trans and not binary to like reveal those fucking <laughs> essays and podcasts. Because that's the piece I'm missing. I hear a lot of cis people talk about this movie. And I hear a lot of people who don't own that they might be neurodivergent. I'm right. talking about this movie. And that's what I'm wanting because I'm I'm seeing some breadcrumbs. But again, I'm not the person to be like, let me go get a PhD real quick and come back. And so I'd rather have somebody who has a lived experience tell me how they feel about the things. Because maybe I'm 100% wrong and I'm like selling snake oil. But I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, and I will say too, I think, and we've said this a billion times on this podcast. How many episodes do we have? Anyway, uh, <laughs> there just needs to be a more, because like the reason that we hear that we've only heard cis people talk about this movie is because 99.9, probably more nines of the critics in the world or the content creators in the world are cis folks. So cis white men. Yes. Listen, yes. Every time I go to Google something as simple as like black final girls, I'm one of the first articles that pop up because we're not paying black people. We're not paying POCs to do the work. We are like, I'll get it from their letterbox. I'll get it from their Twitter, but I won't engage. I won't actually hire them for my outlets or my things. I don't put a podcast on the air. And so what happens, a lot of these things go by the wayside. People can't afford to do them and also work a full-time job like your fucking family life. Like it's, that's a whole other rant about how all the patriarchy and racism is just not going to let anybody have any fucking fun. We can have nice things, though. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, because we force people into marriages and families so early because of heteronormativity. And it's just like, that doesn't have to be the case. Exactly. Which is another reason why I'm everybody wrong, but I'm a little bit more on Annie's side because she took that fucking so. Just like a society appeal of I gotta have kids, I gotta have kids, but I don't want them because I'm supposed to have them. And that's why we all here now. Has she been like boarded up? A society's still a bitch when it comes to letting women have control of their own bodies. And so like you have to have a your husband sign off on you getting your tubes tied. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a husband, you might meet a nice man someday, so you can't have that in most states still. Yeah. Um, we have women right now who are risking life and limb to go have abortions in other states because they are in a state mm-hmm. that will not let them do that. It's hard out here for women, y'all. It just fucking is. And that's why I think that I'm giving Annie two points, two points to Annie's house as opposed to the men in her life because her son got her fucked up and her husband got her fucked up. And she's trying to talk to her husband. She's like, here's what I figured out. And he's like, you're delusional, little bitch. That's why I didn't tell you that your mom was dug up. It's her mother. You are nobody, Steve. You are nobody. And that's why I'm happy you got yeah. set on fire, you little bitch. <laughs> that scene was wild. I was when I first watched this, I was not expecting that. Right? Right? Like Gabriel Byrne is an amazing actor, but this husband is one of the biggest gaslighters we've seen this millennium. Oh, absolutely. It takes a great actor to play a shitty person, to play it well, I should say. I think and I think the difference that we're coming at this is just from our own lived experience cuz you being a, a cis woman and me being a cis man and I will never tell her this to her face. She doesn't listen to the pod. I do. Please, I don't think so. If she does, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a call. I'm sure. But like, I know my mother went through postpartum depression after untreated postpartum depression after I was born. I that scene where she says in her dream, "I never wanted to be your mother." Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. that in my soul from my mother. So I think that's the that's the disconnect that we're having here because like. It is intrinsically damaging from a child from a child's standpoint to grow up with a parent who does not want them or doesn't feel like they 100%. want them. And then especially as a queer as a queer kid, 
on top of that, it's like, oh, well, now I'm not even right in that way. So it's a this movie is a fucking lot, y'all. I probably won't watch this movie again for another four years. Again, I come from a family where all together those two had eight kids. None of us were wanted. None of us were fucking wanted. But people don't like to play in birth control back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then they want to be like, we got to just have them. Just keep shooting them out. That's what we do because society. And again, if more people stopped and thought about what they want as opposed to what they feel that they should want, the world would be a different place. We wouldn't have right. capitalism like on our necks. We wouldn't have people shooting out babies every fucking five days. <laughs> Children would only go to homes where they were wanted. Like we could change the world, but we refuse because we like to stay in this comfortable circle of everybody else is miserable. So I should be miserable too. Had anybody's mom ever gone to therapy, most of these movies wouldn't exist. Like, let's be honest. And so again, I am giving her two points more than the other people in this house, just because these men are definitely failing the easy assignment. They are not looking at the open note tests. <laughs> they will not read. They will not communicate. They are like, it's all you, bitch. It's all in your head. You're a weak woman. Fuck you. That's what I'm picking up on because he was like his dad this way and his dad stayed with the mom after trying to set him on fire. So why is the dad not catching any of his heat? That's a good point. That Sexism. Is a good point. Oh yeah. I mean, intrinsically. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, because it'd be one thing he was like, both of y'all fucked up, but he's like, you and me, bitch, forever and always. I'm like, she did fuck up. Yes, she should be in therapy. And she is going to these meetings, not telling people. Because her monologues in these group meetings should have gotten her the Oscar alone. Like, let's be real. That's her dealing with the grief of a woman that she doesn't really grieve for. <laughs> I feel that in my fucking spirit. Some of us have fucked up relationships with our parents, but we're not supposed to say that because your parents are your parents. And so we talk about it, you're ungrateful because they brought you into this world. Most of us didn't have to be here. Most of us are suffering. That's why therapy should be fucking free. But again, America. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I will also say, this is my last note on this episode, or this, not episode, (laughs) movie. The last half hour of this movie is a fucking wild motherfucking Mm -hmm. ride. The moment, like, once she is figuring out who this woman is, but also backtrack, backtrack. Why I would never, if I'm going to a grieving support group, right, and this rando woman starts screaming at me, in the, and I'm like, oh, and I figure out, oh, this isn't for me. I'm gonna, I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. So I start to leave, and this random woman is screaming at me in the parking lot, like, oh my god, oh my god, it's you. Please come in, please. No. I don't know you. Again, that goes back to that ingrained, um, this is how women are supposed to behave bullshit because we're supposed to be nice to everybody. Like that's just all there is to it, no matter what's happening. I have literally been being verbally harassed by men on the streets. And if I ignore them, an old woman taps me to be like, he's talking to you. And I'm like, he's talking about my ass. Shut the fuck up, Judith. (laughs) Like that's happened to me in Chicago multiple times. But like the second a woman is like, no, the society comes for you. And so she's like, this old woman, also, it's a grieving group. And so she's not going to be like, fuck you and your grief, bitch. Ha ha, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, like, so many things are working against her. Do I understand? Especially because she went to this group looking for support she's not getting in her home. Because her son and her husband are bullshit. <laughs> so, I, I'm not mad at her for that. I do wish she picked up on the signs a little bit sooner, though. Because she's like, that looks familiar. That looks familiar. Oh, let's do a seance and talk to the dead. That's a good idea. Right? But again, grief is a powerful bitch. And so like, and this woman was Truly. double grieving. We always forget that because Charlie's beheading is so shocking. We forget, oh yeah, your mom is dead too, bitch. <laughs> so even though she has a weird relationship with her mother, she's feeling that and trying to process that and then her daughter dies and she's definitely knows how to feel about that, but also trying to deal with the other grief. 
also family dynamics, but trying to hold it together because as a woman, you have to. You have to keep putting food yeah. on the table. You have to keep feeding your son, even though he killed your daughter. Um, your husband is AWOL, but that's his right because he's a man. And so again, I I am not mad that she let Ann Dowd lead her to hell. That makes a little bit of sense to me. <laughs> Grief is rough. Grief is hard. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that, and I will say, I think that is what works for this movie, is that it is so complex and so dense dense but in a simple way it's not dense in a like epic historical you know it's dense but like due to different perspectives communicating on different levels and like everybody's kind of fucked up which that's real right we're all kind of fucked up that is the, the biggest strength of this movie it does what art is supposed to do, which is start dialogues for so many different things and it has so many different reads. Because also, while we're still near the Joan conversation, this woman just lost her mother who she was not close to and Joan definitely gives mom vibes. So she probably is looking mm. for a replacement mother and doesn't even know she's doing it. Because we all do that. We all do that to some level until we address that and heal that little inner moppet. Because I definitely know that the older women in my life, when I was like in even Warrensburg, even when you met me, the older women in my life were definitely like staying this for my mom because I was fucking that bitch. Um, and I was like, I don't need a mother. Me and my counselor, I talked about it. I don't need a mother. Fucker. Um, but also, there's a bunch of older ladies who are always looking out for me and who are always like, please be the dollars, bitch. Go, go have something fun. <laughs> and so, like, I think that again, Annie is not healing because she doesn't know how to heal. She doesn't know what healed looks like because her mother was so bad shit. Yeah. yeah. Relatable content. <laughs> True. I don't think anybody in this movie knows how to heal. The son doesn't know how to heal. I The one person in this movie that I probably can't come up with a <laughs> defense of is the dad. So I'm not going to try. I don't think the son knows how to heal. I, I don't think the son knows how to handle any kind of trauma because that's how that's why he responds the way he does. Listen, yeah. again, this movie is about grief and people who need therapy. <laughs> More so than any other movie <laughs> we've covered everybody's needed to fucking sit down with a family therapist but they never fucking did because on top of him having his grief he's also in that teenager era where he's like as a man this is all my unchecked privilege and his dad is like mr unchecked privilege and so like he's learning from him how to be a shitty person and so like it's it's a head-on collision and that's why you had to go out of the treehouse and die and get possessed <laughs> he didn't have a happy ending either way like he was not gonna have a good ending what yeah, yeah, no. Nobody in this movie ever was going to have a good like, That was pretty If clear. there was ever a movie where it's like, this is not going to end well, it's this one. <laughs> truly, truly. Are we ready for hot takes? There's, I'm sorry. There's a oh, podcast there. called This Ends at Prom, and I feel like this movie should have been called This Ends at Mom. <laughs> because... Just call out the, the Ari Aster uh, reflective... <laughs> if I ever write a book on his work, um, which I probably won't because the movies are getting real fucking long, I might be like, This Ends at Mom. <laughs> An Ari Aster companion. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. All right. Are we for hot takes? Yeah, let's do hot takes. Let's get spicy. Sheree, what's your hot take? Obviously, this is my favorite Ari Aster project. I even watched his shorts, and I am <laughs> worried for the women around him. Man, <laughs> I'm worried about his family and his family life. I don't know what is not unpacked there. And if he has to get therapist, I hope that they are healing. I, I'm not gonna say Bo's afraid because the runtime. So I'm just gonna go ahead and clock out now. And I'm like, this is my favorite because Midsummer miss me. Um, his shorts, bizarrely not for me. Um, <laughs> Bo was afraid we'll never see. And so this is my favorite movie he's ever done, and that's why I'm always excited to see what he's doing. 
until he hurts me with the runtime or the premise or the cast. And I can't wait to see another one of his movies that hits my requirements. So I have to go see it. Cause like, if I'm going to commit to put it on the pans, it needs to be not a five hour epic. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. I, I, I disagree about Midsommar as we've discussed mm-hmm. multiple You're times. I got you. <laughs> I can't win with you, Sheree. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so, but this is really, like, I like this movie. I like Midsommar. I agree. I probably won't ever go in for Bo is Afraid because it's just too long. Mm-hmm. Like, Midsommar is like, that is max, 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 max. I cannot do something longer than that. Two and a half hours. Two and it's a half. too long. That's part of the reason I didn't appear on that episode. I was like, when y'all cover that, I'm out. I'm sick. Cough, cough. Um, I kind of work on my own podcast and I have to watch that movie again. <laughs> So, but <laughs> my my hot take is, I wish I understood the treehouse. I, the I just don't like it's being shown multiple times. Red light, like what the fuck? Is it the red light district? But like, <laughs> other than the length of the movie, like the pacing, I feel like that is my biggest complaint. Is I don't like what is the significance of this treehouse that no one ever goes into until the very end of the movie. What is the weird statue thing that they have? Like, I don't, I, and I, I don't need all the answers answered, but like, give me something, girl. I'm just guessing it's cult central. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I just figured that's where the cult was culting. And that's what I ever went in it. They just was like, so, so when grandma moved in, so when grand, senile grandma moved in, she was like, well, they too old for that treehouse. Now let me climb up here and do my cult what? shit. Look, these old people was real limber. I'm just saying, I seen them getting loose in the treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> they were shaking also, some <laughs> I have a part two of my hot take. Generational trauma may be the most universal theme ever. It hits yeah. men, women, uh, gay, straight, trans, black, white, everybody generational trauma is the most universal thing of all time yes yes and to quote doc j it's not the shit that happens to you it's how you deal with it which is why i love seeing uh, young generations be like therapy is real because part of the reason we all fucked up because our parents and grandparents didn't believe in therapy and look how that turned out for all of them right. and look how turned out for all of us <laughs> if you could afford it get your ass to therapy <laughs> yes, yes 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 all right, Sheree, how many drinks are you giving this one? I'm giving this bitch four stars because, again, this I believe this was actually my first A24 movie. Um, I thought Ari Aster was A24. <laughs> and she, I think, she's iconic. I think The Vitch was my first A24. LaBob, let me see that one after I saw this one. And that's when I was like, oh, okay. A24 is not just his company? And LaBob's like, no, let's go watch this. And we actually rented it because we used to watch horror movies in our apartment in Chicago. <laughs> You imagine? Yeah, I think it was <laughs> The Vich, Hereditary, probably Midsommar. That's probably my order of watching, yes. not of ranking. But. As far again, they have a larger catalog than I thought. Um, but like as far as like the movies that people like cling to, I definitely saw this, then The Vich, then Hereditary. Um, this, The Vich, and then Midsommar, and then the other ones have been following because I'm just like, what's coming out this year? I'm gonna go see it. I'm gonna go see it right now. Right. Somebody ruins it for me. Right. Right. I'm giving this four and a half drinks. Like I said, my only complaints is runtime, a little bit of the pacing in the first half, in my opinion, and then 
this treehouse. Exactly. What is, what, what am I, what is going on in this treehouse? My biggest things are the fucking, <laughs> the fucking pacing. Cause that length, that length was lengthy. Um, and again, I feel like there is no time and place where we have movies where we don't have at least a couple of people of color or a couple queer people or some intersection of any of the things that are missing from this movie. Cause it is a very all white movie. I love Tony Collette. I loved Tony Collette fucking down. She could have a husband who is not <laughs> Gabriel Byrne, who I also love. Um, one of their kids, because maybe she had a kid before she got married to him. Maybe that's part of the reason that Peter don't fucks with him so much. <laughs> but he's mad at his mom. Because he's like, you tried to fucking burn me. I don't know who this man is. He's my stepdad. Fuck y'all. That could have been a thing. But we didn't We didn't do the due diligence. I love Ann Dow. Yeah, that's me. Couldn't the mother have had a black friend or like Latinx friend or somebody somewhere? I just... We just didn't want to see anybody not white in uh, <laughs> in a row with lines. That's how I feel. I agree. I see that. I see that 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is our thoughts on Hereditary. You're welcome. We finally covered it. I feel like this is one that people have been wanting us to talk about for a long, long time. Even before long. we had a podcast, we put out feelers in like Hereditary. And we was like, yeah. And then literally every year, at least three podcasts, like we talk about Hereditary. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> which is now I've seen it eight times and my soul hurts and so I'm gonna put it away for a minute I can't I could not watch this movie eight times eight times since it's come out like because I watch it once for a birthday and then never again until people like do it and I would like rent it or watch it wherever so like since we have this podcast which we're we started in 2020 so like yeah we're we'll be four in August yeah of next so year. in four years I've seen this movie seven times that is too much my, my brain hurt <laughs> <laughs> Yes. All right, y'all. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we're going to be covering The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's fucking right, y'all. We're going to get some Colin Farrell in this bitch. We're going to get some Nicole Kimmon in this bitch. We're going to do some Perry. I'm going to say Perry. Wow, that's embarrassing. Barry Keoghan. We're going to do some all of that with that weird-ass movie. If y'all not seen that movie, make time to watch it because you might need a moment to process it before you listen to the episode. Because I watched it once at the time of recording this. I've seen it once, and I'm about to watch it again for this. And she is always on my mind because I can't, I don't know if I like her or if she just stuck up with me. I brain worms, brain rot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, y'all. Again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, make sure that you stay fierce out there. Bye.